the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in his land and feed on his faithfulness. That's my life verse. That's what I love for this program to talk about and uh, have various folks come in throughout the year and have them share their personal stories of how they came to faith and how they uh, started the ministry that uh, they're involved with. And uh, my special guest today is Chris Lang. He is uh, the founder, along with his wife, of Caring Soul Ministry. And uh, Chris, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you. Well, you uh, you just came up from uh, Lakewood? Yes. Lakewood area. So uh, that's south here of uh, Seattle, about, what, 35 miles or so, maybe 40. So... I appreciate you coming up here today. So, Chris, uh, I always like to start stories at the beginning. Uh, are you from this area? Are you a Northwest boy? Or are you from other parts of the country? I'm a Northwest boy. Grew up in uh, Kirkland, Washington most of my life. Uh-huh. Well, tell me, tell me about that as far as growing up. Uh, were, was your family uh, a, a church family? Were you... Uh, uh, you know, did you go to church often when you were a kid? Or tell me about the, the beginnings in in Kirkland. So I was born in Renton, and we moved to Kirkland when I was about four years old. And I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional, unstable household. Hmm. Uh, my parents were partiers, and they did drugs. And that's kind of the background I came from. And I grew up in that environment, and I myself... Later on in my teenage years, I fell into that lifestyle, too. And uh, my parents kind of encouraged it. I used to smoke with my father, and uh, it wasn't really too good. It wasn't until when I was age 16 that I came to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And surprisingly, the one who led me to the Lord was my father. He had a relationship with God, but he was kind of like the prodigal son, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And so I was starting to delve into um, Buddhism, Hindu, Islam. And my dad told me, he said, that's not the right way to go. The right way to go is with the Lord Jesus. He's the one. He's the truth. And so I opened up a Bible, and there in the book of Hebrews it said, do not be carried away by strange studies, but let your heart and mind be renewed by the word of God. And so upon reading that, my whole life changed from that point on. Now, hold on a second. So so, so your dad, who's smoking pot and is living a party lifestyle, is telling you you need to look towards Jesus and nothing else. Yes. <laughs> was he, had he kind of changed from 
that party lifestyle, or was he still in the lifestyle, but he saw that you were going into a situation that, as far as other religions that he was very concerned about? Um, he was still in that lifestyle, but he was concerned that I was going into religions that he was concerned about. Interesting. So, you know, it's interesting how even in, uh, you called him a prodigal, even in man's rebellion, <laughs> he, he still knows and understands the truth, especially if he had a background in the gospel, that he, he understood the gospel, even though he knew he wasn't uh, living a sanctified life, yet the Lord used him to give you guidance and direction. What was your mom thinking about all this at the time? Um, my mom, she was kind of absent growing up. She would be kind of in and out of the house, you know, partying, going off with different people. And so um, in that time period, she was more present in my life with my father in their relationship. And uh, I I think she she thought it was a good plan for me. She was just kind of on board with whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> it sounded like your parents didn't have a lot of rules in, in your in your life. You you were kind of a a free spirit, could do whatever you wanted to do. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So you're 16 years old, and you're you're beginning though to search. There, you you had this longing to. Uh, know more about uh, God and and what he was uh, supposed to be in your life, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so tell me about that time when you when you just recognized that that Jesus is Lord. What what happened? Well, I uh, a lot of things happened. Like I start, I used to be really addicted to smoking weed and doing other. Uh, drugs, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, and at sixteen, uh huh, okay, and habits just dropped like that, dropped like flies, and after you, after you, after I gave my life to the Lord, huh? Were you were you struggling with that and saying I got to stop this, or all of a sudden it just you didn't have that desire anymore? I didn't have that desire anymore. Everything just kind of like came off me. Huh. I became born again. I was like a whole new person. Hmm. Hmm. What'd your dad think of that? Uh, my dad thought that was great. He thought it was good, even though he still did what he did. Um, I became pretty radical for Jesus at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so did you start to get concerned about your dad then and, and kind of talk to him more about the Lord, or was it kind of like off-limits in, in the conversation? Um, I did talk to him about the Lord. He was open to hear about it, but... I don't think I could go too much and like point out his faults without him getting upset. So I, right, kind of just set a boundary in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he, but he was okay with you. And and what's your mom thinking through all this? Um, my mom, she thought it was okay. She's just kind of you know free spirited person and just kind of do what you want. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So 16 years old, you receive the Lord. What happens next in your life? Um, what happened next? I dropped all my friends who were a part of yours. Mm -hmm. My father told me I should have kept them and led by example. But I, I was like really, I was kind of like one of the, where the seed is planted in the soil where Jesus says, where it springs up and then is choked away by the worries of life. And so 
I became like on fire for the Lord. I found a uh, church and I went on a missions trip to Mexico when I was 16, preached like crazy, learned Spanish and shared Jesus with every person down there I could find. And I came back and I did like street evangelism. I went around preaching to people and uh, just praying with people on the street. And um, I used to go to places where I felt like the Lord would lead me to go. And I had a bad experience one time. And so I kind of turned away from God and I went back to my old lifestyle hmm. doing drugs again. Whoa. So how old were you at that time? I was about 17. Okay. So 16 years old, on fire, 17 years old, moved back into drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think the Lord still knew what was going on in your heart. He did. Yeah. So how long did you then walk in that in that season? Um, I did drugs from about age 14... Um, off and on until about age 23. Uh, my father, he had passed away when I was 20 years old, which was like a really hard thing I took, and I didn't have any plan to kind of really let go of doing drugs. Um, it wasn't until I w- after doing hard drugs, I actually was diagnosed with a um, mental illness, mm-hmm. and so I had to go on medications, and I was still doing drugs. And at that time... I had gone to a job core because I was a dropout of school. And so I needed something to do, you know, to get my life straight, leaving my mom's house, you know, after my father passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think your dad came to reconcile himself to the Lord as far as his life? Or is that still, that's a hard question to ask, I know, on the radio. But, but uh, you know, how do you feel in his final days? Did he, did he know Jesus? Um, yes, he did. Uh-huh. Um, he proclaimed Jesus, and he did drugs in the other hand, you know. Uh-huh. And so I I believe that, you know, God doesn't want to see any of us perish. And so I believe that he's in heaven. I believe that God came to him in the moments before, you know, he was about to pass away. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Well, I'm glad God is the ultimate judge of all things, aren't you? Yes, and I that am. we're not the ones to de- decide who makes it into heaven <laughs> or who doesn't, but that the the loving God who knows our hearts and the intents of our hearts, and uh, having having had uh, loved ones who've experienced addictions, I know how uh, <laughs> addicting these things can be. And that even when people are trying to pull away from that in their own lives, the the draw back into uh, substance abuse can be so, so strong. Even for someone who knows the Lord, it can be really, really tough. Mm -hmm. And so God knows, and we leave it at that, don't we? Yes, we do. We rest in his graciousness and his mercy and not our own understanding when it comes to our loved ones who have passed on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... So diagnosed with a mental uh, illness, and uh, you're 23. Tell me what happens then. So I finished Job Corps about the age of 23 years old over in Moses Lake. I finished with a culinary arts certificate, and I had my GED. And so I uh, went to go live with my uncles, my dad's oldest brother. He he helped me out. Um, I saw I was seeing a counselor as well, and the counselor told me that if I stopped doing drugs, I 
wouldn't have the mental illness. So it was actually, to my blessing, a misdiagnosis because of the th- substance I was taking. Mm-hmm. And so I got off the medication. Um, I then enrolled into a uh, technical college while living with my uncle. And he, uh, him and my aunt gave me the opportunity you know, to go to school and get my life together, which re- was a real blessing because I really had no place to go after Job Corps. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took advantage of that time for a couple of years, lived with them, worked, you know, with them and got on my feet. And I was still going to school, but I also got a, a part-time job to help pay some bills while I moved out of their place and lived with a roommate in Kenmore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So going to school, doing what? Uh, I was doing culinary arts. I got it. Okay. I have my de- associate degree. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So... so during this time, what's your relationship like with the Lord? Um, during this time, I I was pretty close to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I was going through a trial at my school at the time where I was actually dealing with uh, sexual harassment from a culinary arts instructor. Hmm. And so I had to file charges against him within the Human Resources Department and um, various other things that I did to you know to get the issue resolved but Mm -hmm. um and then i went to go through counseling during this because it was pretty hard for me during this time yeah yeah so um but during this time you're living for jesus you're you're reading his word and so what is he saying to you during these times is are you are you looking towards uh just finding a you know a, a vocation and and a job and and live in life or so during this time i i did eventually graduate i found a job, my first job at uh crown plaza hotel in downtown seattle as a culinary uh cafeteria cook mm-hmm. and so I, that was my first job out of college mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and I, yes i was still focusing on god i was praying to him and he blessed me with a job through uh, a friend of mine's mother-in-law Yeah. Well, we're speaking with uh, Chris Lang, and you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead. Chris Lang is, uh, he and his wife are part of Caring Soul Ministry and have helped form that ministry. So, Chris, I mentioned your wife. What's her name? Her name is Jennifer. Yeah. So tell me about meeting Jennifer. So I was about 31 years old. Um, I went on the ChristianMingle.com, and uh, I was, it's a dating website, and I was, you know, looking through different profiles. And then I'd been on it for about four months. I didn't really have too much luck. And so then I saw her and I was mesmerized by her look. I was, thought she was so beautiful. <laughs> and so uh, I I contacted her and then she responded immediately, which you always don't, you don't always get that. And so then uh, we decided to, uh, to make contact and we decided to, to meet up at the zoo in uh, Point Defiance, and I brought my brothers along because it's my brother's birthday, mm-hmm. and uh, she brought her son because she, she's actually uh, widowed. I see. Mm-hmm. And so she brought her young son at the time, and we met up. We went to the zoo. We all had a good time. It was like a family reunion without even, you know, happening. Right. And so uh, we actually uh, dated for like three months, and then we decided to get married and normally courtship is like a year for most people, but it's like once you know, you know. And so we got married after three months. Uh, 
my wife, she she came from a hard background. She she was born in South Korea, brought and then raised in Los Angeles most of her life. She uh, grew up in a really hard life. Uh, she has a disability and she couldn't walk for a few years when she was younger. She had three hip surgeries. Um, her oldest brother was a gang member, and he so. She grew up pretty hard, and she came to know Jesus around age 14. Um, her, when she was 21, her older brother passed away in a car accident, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought a lot of turmoil to her family, but God is restoring them slowly but surely. Yeah. Um, but he did come to the Lord, um, my wife's brother, Steve, be, before he passed away. God turned his life around. Yeah. And your wife's name is? Jennifer. And Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you met her, and three months later, you marry her. Yeah. Three months <laughs> later, we, I married her. Yeah. So, Chris, tell me about Caring Soul Ministry. You've uh, obviously been through a, a really interesting uh, time in your life. You're, um, you experience a lot of things with in your own personal life, and then, of course, Jennifer and, and, and her uh, and her life. Tell me about how you started thinking about Caring Soul Ministry, and why did you name it that? Um, so we named Caring Soul Ministry after our car. We, <laughs> I, we drive a Kia Soul, and we're carrying people. So I thought, oh, Caring Soul, it sounds great. And so I, I wanted just to share the story of how it all began. The COVID-19 pandemic pretty much kept us home or in our car, but we wanted to serve the Lord. We discovered the need of Bibles. So we ordered one for our fam- for a family that was traumatically hit by a house fire twice. And then we gave to a friend in Oregon, in Michigan, in Illinois, and in Florida. God has been so good. Most of the Bibles we have were donated to us. And it was absolutely a wonderful experience when we were asked if we could donate 25 Bibles to a rehab that helps former inmates to stay on the straight and narrow. And when volunteering at the Tacoma Rescue Mission, we were able to give away several free Bibles. After participating in the Positivity Parade with our church and seeing the wonderful thing they were able to do in their Jesus Jeep, that got us inspired, hence the name Caring Soul. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that is that is so amazing, you know, that the Lord has, has challenged you to do that. And so uh, tell me about the some of the people that you've ministered to over the last uh, few years. So... Um, our ministry, we started actually back in March. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly new ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we're driving on the street, we always have Bibles in our glove box or any any part of our car. We have probably 200 Bibles between our car and home. And so we always hand out Bibles to people, you know, a lot of homeless people God placed in our heart. Um, we've given Bibles to uh, a friend of a friend who's a missionary in Mexico. We were able to get some Spanish Bibles from a friend of mine named Raul. And uh, we give him Bibles to the seafarers in uh, Tacoma. That's for sailors that come into port. It's a Christian ministry that helps them. Um, We've given Bibles to individuals in need, friends, family members. We always ask friends or family on our Facebook if anybody needs a Bible that they could use, we mail it to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I... We raised money for a friend of mine who's a pastor in India who has a ministry called Living Waters Ministry. 
and we were able to do an international fundraising to help him get 60 Bibles in his language. So so it sounds like Bible, uh, there's a theme here that, that, that you really like to share the Word with other people, that that, mm-hmm. that was a foundation for you and meaningful for you, and, and, and um, why Bibles? Well, we were really inspired by Francis Chan, and his book, Crazy Love, and he, he just gave us, like, a zeal for Jesus. But we had this zeal and wanting to serve him, but we didn't really know what. So we I listened one day with my wife to the testimony of the late Rabbi Zacharias, mm-hmm. and he said that when he was 17 years old, somebody, he was on the verge of committing suicide, and he's in a hospital, and a missionary came up to him and said, uh, gave him a Bible, and uh, it changed his life. And so from that point on, we realized that you don't know uh, what kind of impact you're going to have on people when you place a Bible in their hands. You don't know what they're, gonna, they're going through in life. And so that's how we got our inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want to be misunderstood. You don't seem like a super sophisticated person. Yeah, can I say that? I mean, but but yet, what I appreciate about and I'm Chris, you and I have just met. What I see about you, though, is that the Word of God has been implanted in your heart to transform you into His child, and that now, as you're living in obedience to Him, He's giving you opportunities that many people who might, you know, be have their masters of divinity or uh, other kinds of degrees m- aren't having that same kind of impact because you're just being obedient and sharing the word. That's a powerful message mm-hmm. that I think uh, our folks want to hear need to hear today, isn't it? That I, I fully agree. Yeah, the the Lord isn't calling us to to necessarily higher education, although that's important, and yet you would probably agree that that's a good thing. I do, but He's calling us to a life of obedience and simplicity in, in many ways where we're just being genuinely caring and helping people and proclaiming his word. Isn't that true? Yes, it is. Yeah. And so uh, out of that, how have you seen people's lives touched through Caring Soul? Well, the the first Bible that we gave was to a, a family who had lost their home twice in a fire and uh, we made an impact on them. You know, they had lost everything, but the one thing that people always need is the Word of God in their hands, you know. And uh, they were very grateful that we, we gave that to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that is good. It, it is really good that that uh, you're doing that. Well, Chris, we have about a minute or so left. I'd love for you just to kind of share a final word with with those, and just a word of encouragement. If you had a, if you had a, a few people sitting here in this studio with uh, with you, what would you say to them uh, as we're wrapping up the program today, as far as a word of encouragement? I would say that no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're going through, if you have, you know, no money, if you're down and out, no job or anything like that. You know, God will always see you through. God will always meet you out at the other side. He's in control. He's always with you, and he loves you. Hmm. That's true. That's very true. 
Well, Chris, I want to thank you for uh, joining me today. Uh, Chris and his wife, Jennifer, are part of Caring Soul Ministry. And if you'd like to learn more about Caring Soul, you can go to their Facebook page uh, and just do a search on Caring Soul. And and even though the car, the Kia is S-O-L, the website is Caring S-O-U-L Ministry. uh, um, And uh, if you want to reach out to Chris, you can go to Caring soul ministry at yahoo.com i'm sure uh chris that you'd love to uh have people uh contact you if they have bibles to share or have a loved one who has a need that uh you'd be able to help them out as well through through your ministry through you and jennifer And so I want to thank you for joining me today. You've been listening to Heart of the City. If you'd like to uh, listen to this podcast again or um, any other podcast, any other broadcast that you've heard in in, uh, times past, you can go to thewordseattle.com, click on Local Programs, and then click on Heart of the City, and you can listen to this interview again with Chris Lang. God bless you, Chris. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word, special Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.